Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. 60 years of family culture. Join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. The Isuzu MUX is born to tow. Your rugby league coverage on SEN starts now. Welcome to NRL Crunch Time. Yeah, welcome. This is NRL Crunch Time. Thanks to Robson Civil. Over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. Welcome back to our listeners across the SEN network. SENQ 693 AM in Brisbane. SEN 1170 in Sydney. And SEN 1620 AM on the Gold Coast. You can download the app anytime and listen to Crunch Time. Anytime, anywhere. And remember, join us in the conversation today. Call 1300 01 1170 or text us in on 0457 736 736. Joining me today, we've got uh, the patients running the asylum. We've got Stephen O'Keefe down the end who's sounding very hungover. Yes. I, heard, I just heard you played a trial game last night. Had a trial game uh, in Newcastle and raced back. Only yeah, because I knew today I was going to be more starstruck than I've ever met, ever been. Now I've met Tom Hanks, Tom Cruise, yes. and I'm sitting next to the great Anthony Sir <laughs> and one of the world's greatest Olympians. So I'm excited yes. to be here, Missile. That's our other co-host today, Anthony Seabold. Uh, Seabs, what did you what did you make of the games overnight? So firstly, we had uh, Panthers twenty-seven defeated Eels eight, and then of course last night Raiders defeat Storm. That's a bit of a boil over, and the Cowboys uh, defeat the Sharks in a thriller. About what was it, ninety-two minutes? Yeah, ninety-three, 93 minutes. minutes. So, um, look, watching the game last night, the, the second game, I thought who, whoever wins this will need the, the week off. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. So, look, you, you think about Cronulla Sharks and. And they're going to play the winners of today's game. Yeah. Um, so it'll be Roosters or Rabbitohs next week. And th- there will be, the first part of the week, will need to be managed for those players because there's that, you know, um, emotional sort of, I suppose, um, letdown after losing a really close game, particularly with, with seven or eight minutes to go. Sharkies were in front by eight yeah. points in control of the game. So there's that emotional letdown, the physical letdown as well, or, or the physical sort of, um, I suppose, um, you know, recovery uh, that's required after a game uh, that, that goes that long with that intensity. And, and, the, and the, the early game, the one that uh, Matty White and Noddy, uh, myself, uh, commentated on, I thought the Canberra Rays were outstanding, particularly their, their forwards. Like, yeah. Josh Papalihi, oh, uh, more so um, Joseph Tarpani, was outstanding. Like, 130 metres he carried the ball for in that first half. Do you that, say he's the best forward in the game at the moment? I, I think he best is. Best front row, I yeah. I think he is. I, I honestly think he is. Mm. And he, like, post-metres contact, he's number one in the NRL. Yep. And he's in the top three offloaders in the competition. That offload to Jack White oh. for the Raiders' first try was outstanding. Like that was that was outstanding. I was like Artie Beetson type, wasn't it? Really um, outstanding way to for the Raiders to score that first try. And, um, Can you believe the-, um, the New Zealand front row rotation for the World Cup is going to be Tapanay? Waria Hargraves yeah. and Nelson Asopa Solomona. <laughs> and, and, and Fisher Harris. <laughs> and Fisher Harris. Oh my. <laughs> like, I don't even know which two you start. I, I don't yeah, know. I which, don't know. Which, which way would you go, Seabs? Well, because Je- Jesse Bromwich comes into the conversation. Well, they, yeah. they, he they, might not even make what, the team. Well, what, what I was thinking was if you want to go big, I'd have Nelson Asopa Solomona as the right edge back row for the Kiwis. And yep. you, start, you start Hargraves, Fisher Harris. Yep. And Bromwich has the three middle forwards. Yep. And and then you have 
Nelson Asofa Solomona as one edge back He did do it, didn't he? A couple of weeks he, back. He, he did it this weekend. Yeah, he did it this weekend. Yeah, right. And he did it for a few weeks then. Yeah. The poor old little Harpass couldn't. Oh man, what a nightmare. So, so imagine that pack and like Kenny Bromwich. Well, they've got some other options there as the left edge back row, but that pack is as good as good as. We've ever seen. Really. Well, New Zealand's it's always had strong Zealand forward packs, but this is the best I've the best. Oh, I can remember. Yeah, yeah. And in, in form, they're yeah. all playing finals football. They're all absolutely killing it. Um, Joe Tappanay, I, th- I think the Raiders just re-signed him, didn't they? Long term. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. I'd imagine that would have been a pretty hefty deal to keep him at the club. Uh, and what a, what a season turnaround for him! So it was not long ago, his uh, his missus was on social media blasting Ricky. Yeah. Fast forward to the this year's final series, and he's probably the informed player in the oh, comp. I was in, I was at the OAS, so probably you've been spent a bit of time there on yeah. Thursday, and I caught up for a coffee. I was saying to the guys yesterday on air, caught up for a coffee in town with my brother-in-law who lives there. Yeah. And in walks Ricky Stewart and Joseph Tarpany, and yeah. we're having a having a chat. And I've never met Joseph um, in the you know in the past when I've coached against him. I just couldn't believe how big he was. Really? Yeah, I, he really surprised me how big he was. Because we always talk about, no, you can't put him on the floor. Like, you know, when you watch him play, yeah, he yeah, hardly yeah. plays the ball because he's either offloading or stands Yeah, tall. he yeah. looks rangy, but he's not solid. Ra- but yeah, is he big in yeah, real range, life? Yeah, he is, mate. That's all, really is he? Is he sort of Sean Lane height or is he not that I don't that think he's that tall. He's not quite Sean Lane. He looked about 6'3", 6'4". Okay. Just yeah. a big, like, big, yeah, big, yeah, big So I can understand why he's hard for the defending teams to handle. And, yeah, he's outstanding. Leadership qualities as well. Like, he's just a guy. Oh, yeah. On. I mean, yeah. you have a look at their last two months. It's almost like they've been playing semi-finals football for the last two two months. Is yep. it must win, must win, must win? And to their credit, I thought, you know what, they were playing lower-ended teams. I didn't really give them that much chance. You know, I thought it'd be a tight contest, but they'd get run over in the last twenty. Yeah. And full credit to Ricky Stewart and his men there. And now, you know, they go into next week as genuine contenders. I think I had a look at the odds. I mean, they're. Their favourites, or the, I think Paris paying a dollar eighty, Canberra two bucks, yeah, it's and I think close. that's a fair assessment of where both yep. teams are at. I agree. Yeah, Ricky's really earned that right to do it. You know, I'd love to see Ricky coaching the Blues down the line. I've just been really, really impressed. I love it when coaches get out and they're candid. Now, sometimes he's yeah. been, you know, he's gotten in trouble for saying the wrong thing, but I love when I get to watch Ricky. Uh, Stewart's press conferences because of the candid nature of it. You know, yeah. he speaks from the heart. Yeah. He loves Canberra. He loves that football team. And see him get out banging the window when they're winning, albeit not being a Canberra supporter. I was pumped to see them do well. Um, but And also, anyone but bloody Melbourne winning the comments. <laughs> <great news. laughs> tell us how you really feel. So I think uh, it's, it's a dying attribute to be able to be that open with the media. As an athlete, or we've, all three of us have dealt with the media, right? And most of the time, when you're too open or too honest, they smash you yeah. and you get burned. So yeah, it's yeah. very hard to be trustworthy of the media and be open and or honest in a press conference. Mm. But Ricky just seems to take the fines and keep marching yeah. forward. And it's, it's admirable. Uh, yeah. It's certainly polarizing, but admirable at the same time, I, I, I think. I love his competitiveness. Um, yeah. I was really fortunate to have two years of the Raiders in 97 and 98, and Ricky was there playing. And, he was such a good bloke in the change room. Like, he was just yeah. a really good bloke. But on the training pad, he's just so super competitive. And I reckon that's how he coaches. You yeah. can see that he, It's reflected in their it team. Yeah, and it's reflected in the team, 100%. Yeah. I reckon the unsung hero for uh, the Canberra Raiders in this second half of the year is Jamal Fogarty. Yep. So if you yeah. look at him, he's played 13 games now. And they've won nine of the 13 games. Mm. And they missed him for the first 12, 12 rounds. And they were sitting at one stage in 14th position. Yep. I think he's added... Uh, significant value to the team. He's take 
taken a whole heap of pressure off Jack White. And, yeah. and like we talk about Chad Towns and what he's done with the, um, yeah, the Cowboys. Incredible. We spoke about Reynolds when Broncos were on fire. Jamal Fogarty, I think he's a really undervalued and underrated uh, player. They were, the what were they, six and three? Sorry, three and six after nine rounds. You know, lost six. They called the, the Canberra Faders. They the Faders, failed yeah. to get points in the second half. They were barely yep. putting it on. They were lucky to get a win against the Titans early on. I think around two, they were 22 nil down at halftime and just scraped over the line. Um, the, the turnaround has been remarkable. and Everyone talks about and waxes lyrical, oh, you can't win from the bottom eight. But imagine a team who just got into that eighth position. Yeah. Wouldn't have even been on the radar. This is the year. And if they do, the yeah. milk, if they get the job, like that is just a fairy tale that would is worth just, you know, talking about for years to come. So, you know, I love the bunnies. But I'm going to be getting behind the Raiders. They're my second team. You're on the wagon? I am. I'm on the wagon. I should probably know this, but will they play in Canberra next round? No, no they'll, they'll the play Parramatta. Yeah, the loser uh, of so that they play gets, gets, gets the home, yeah, yeah, okay. gets the home semi. Uh, just quickly, we'll, we'll go deep, more deeply into these games a little bit later on. But, Seebs, put yourself in Craig uh, Fitzgibbon's shoes today. What would the day look like, and how does the week pan out now trying to recover? I imagine not much contact, not too much yeah. fitness. Yeah, like this time of year, as you know, like essentially what teams do is they come into the finals, they try and peak or tapering up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, like today will be a recovery day, so the players will, will do recovery. They'll, they'll give them they'll give them a, a mental uh, unloading. They won't do the review today; they'll do that yeah. tomorrow. So, generally yeah. speaking, they'll give the players that forty-eight hours post game yeah. to, uh, to to mentally recover, physically yeah. recover, and then they'll look at the areas that they can. Um, take from that that yeah. particular um, game into to next week's um, game, and that without knowing the opposition, one thing the coaching staff would be doing is having a look at this game this afternoon because they'll be playing the Roosters or the Rabbitohs, and um, and the coaching staff need to get a head start on that. So that'll be sort of what this first forty-eight hours looks like. I imagine there won't be a masseuse that's not booked out this week in Cronulla. Yeah. They must be some sore bodies today. Yeah. Some of those middle forwards, and if you look at the um, the bench rotation. I think Fafita played like 15 or 16 minutes. So uh, some of those, like Toby Rudolph and Fanukin and, and Cam McGuinness played upwards of 70 minutes in the middle yeah. uh, in a frantically paced game last night. So their bodies today were just poor. I do. Sorry, mate. Just even Hamlin, you alley, like he came off the bench. But he, again, he didn't play long minutes either. Yeah. So put a lot of stress on that starting pack. Yeah, to get the job done. I do like when I watch the end of games and you get a little insight into the sheds of teams, you know. You watch the Roosters right after the game. They're bloodied and bruised. They play physical games, and they're on a complete drinking ban. From what I hear, there's no beers. Really? But then you Love watch it. the North Queensland game at the end, and they'll have a win, and they'll crack open a beer. And yeah. I just like the contrast, how different coaches decide yeah. to go about it. You know, yeah. it's, it's sort of part of team culture. Boys, we have a win, lose, or draw. You know, we crack open a stubby. We celebrate. That's a part of what we do. And then you get someone like the Roosters, who's just sole focus is, and commitment is to, well, to lay off it. Tell us last night after your trial... So for the Sydney Sixers, right? Uh, no, it was for Manly. We were at oh, Newcastle. Okay. So we have an Who'd affiliation club up there. We uh, Toronto uh, Cricket Club, which we've just got an affiliation with. So we and went to what's, one of, what's the culture? Do you crack a beer, win, no, lose, I, or draw? Uh, uh, up there in a trial, um, I think I cracked one at lunch. <laughs> the, uh, uh, at the tea break, I uh, had a bit of vodka in my, in my drink bottle. So no one knew about that. No one still does. Um, but it was a fascinating night. We went up. We all had to wear our football jerseys because we watched the final. And we lost um, one of our club members, uh, Juicy Michael Shepherd, who uh, had cerebral palsy and stepped timbers on, which is raised money. It's forced uh, cerebral palsy. Anyway, we all threw $100 in each. And we're going to give $1,500 to his sister who's doing September to raise some money. And the other 1500 bucks yep. we got to bet 
on okay. the game. I like where this is so going. So it's a de- demo- democratic process of, yes. right, there was 30 blokes, and you yes. had to put your hand up whether you thought Cronulla or your hand up whether you thought North Queensland. Okay. So probably 10 blokes Cronulla, and I'll, I'll happily say that I thought Cronulla were going to get it done. Uh, 20 blokes, North Queensland. Whether they like the odds, you know, think we were going to make more money. Anyway, you could imagine 30 blokes watching that game, seesawing backwards and forwards. Yeah. And we went overs as well. So we ended up getting, I think, 4 bucks 25 oh, wow. for our 1500 <laughs> So it's ended up day. turning into six grand. But the game, the way it seesawed, um, as I was saying to Seebs earlier, is almost, you know, the cows... The, uh, Cronulla had won it twice, you know. The cows had to come back and win it twice to get there. You went into extra time, which I didn't know as a, as a football uh, novice, that you went extra time, not golden time. And it just went the, went the journey. And we were just riding every minute of it. We had the win. We had the six grand. It was just a, it was a special night for many reasons, um, but a great night of footy nonetheless. So was the, the six grand put on the bar then for the rest so of the night? So then we went over to the Trotters. Um, and I had a couple of tips in the dogs. We lost it. So I think we walked out with about 38 bucks in the end. But, you know, it's all for a good cause. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. After the break, we're going to get deeper into these games from last night. And remember, after crunch time today at 3 p.m., you'll have coverage of the Sydney Roosters versus South Sydney Rabbitohs, the elimination final live here from Allianz Stadium. That'll be Joel Kane, Brett Kamali, Sean Timmons in the driver's seat. You're on crunch time at, on SEN. <laughs> Ten metres short of halfway. Beautiful little offload, and it's white and on the burst. Well, he got a pass away. It went through the hands, and now it's Timoko down the sideline. Tries to fend off Munster. Does so. Did he get it down? He might have dropped it, but I think he scored. Yes, he has. Play down the right-hand side. Look out, because here comes Xavier Coates. Gets the storm on the board, and it's all level. Melbourne 4, Canberra 4, kick to come for the home side. Good defence by the Raiders, but here goes Grant. Turns it on the inside to Munster. On to Hughes, a chip kick. There's Xavier Coates again. Play down the right attacking edge for the Storm. And here comes Sebi, passes it in to Munster, who finds his winger. Can Coates get a triple? Yes! Great try, great try. Drifting across, a little left foot stab. Goes behind Munster, and look who's got it. It's Hudson Young. He loves a try. He's got another. And Hudson Young brings it level for the Raiders. It's 20-all. White brings it out, a little touch on it. Hit on the head of Sebastian Chris, and Rapina will get it down. It's a head-on. That's a, that's, a, that's a try assist. Try assist. A try assist. It's a tap on to a head on <laughs> to a try for Jordan Rapiner and a six point lead for the Raiders with a kick to come from the sideline. So that's the perfect finale for the Canberra Raiders. They'll count the clock down. It's the end of an era for so many ways at the Melbourne Storm. But the Raiders power on into week two of the finals 28 points to 20. They've beaten the storm at home. Yeah, there it was. The Raiders uh, upsetting the Melbourne Storm. I think they were over three dollars going into that game. The Raiders, one of the heaviest outsiders of the weekend. Uh, they now will play the Parramatta Eels here in Sydney. How do we fancy their chances against the Eels? 
I think they match up really well against the Parramatta Eels. And, and the reason I say that is because of their forward pack. I really see that as their weapon, the Canberra Raiders. Like, they're big, aggressive. And one thing that they do really well against structured defence is they're at, they've got an ability to, to get offloads away. Agile, yeah. And so they get in between defenders and they get their arms free. So yesterday in the first half, they had eight offloads against the Storm. And what it did, it broke up that Storm structured defence. And instead of making six tackles in a set, you're actually making seven or eight tackles. Yeah. I think they have the game to um, to match it physically with the Parramatta Eels. And I think it's a really good matchup. I think uh, the, both styles um, will make for a really fascinating game. We spoke uh, Joe Tapene. Um, one player that I've been really impressed with in this back uh, half of the season uh, Hudson Young, he scored a try again yesterday. He just seems to pop up uh, around the try line all the time, a bit like Jeremiah Nenai from the Cowboys. He can't be far off an Australian jersey. I think um, it was spoken about um, over the last couple of weeks. You know, he he's a smoky for the Australian um, World Cup squad. And, look, he plays on that left-hand side as an edge-back row for the Canberra Raiders. And I think he scored – that was his 14th try yesterday. Cool. And you spoke about Jeremiah Nene. A lot of the tries from Hudson Young, he, he, he's got an uncanny knack of getting a try from a kick. Yeah. And he did it again yesterday. He almost like stole the ball out of Cameron Munster's arms there for, for that try. And that was a really uh, decisive try in the context of the game. But I love his toughness. He, he's a former Newcastle Knights junior, so they – would be uh, quite disappointed that they, uh, they missed out on him. Yeah. Um, but he's been super consistent. So him and Elliot Whitehead on their edges. Like I, we've spoken about the two big front rowers, yep. Lee and Tarpany, but Whitehead and Young, aggressive, abrasive players, um, who, who um, yeah, who do a great job on the edges there. And that's why I think their team or their forward pack match up really well against the Power Matters. Yeah. Well, that forward battle next weekend is going to be. One to look out for. Let's hear what Ricky Stewart had to say about the expectations he's got on the team for next week. Respectfully, it doesn't matter now because going into next week's game, no one expects us to win. So, you know, it, it's easy for us. Um, no one expects us to win. No one expects us to beat Parramatta at Bank West. And so we'll have a fun week of training and do our best for our prep and see how it goes. No one expects them to win. Yeah. I reckon that's about the fifth time I've heard him <laughs> say that over the last month. Uh, but he certainly doesn't look surprised when they do win. You know, they win by design. You know, looking at some of the stats uh, last night, you had, you know, Josh Papalihi, Joe Tarpany, 300 running meetings. And that's the fifth time in a row that Canberra have beaten Melbourne in Melbourne. You know, they yeah. are winning by design. So they're, they're not going into games going, oh, we're not expecting, let's just stuff around <laughs> and have a fun week. You yeah. know, Ricky has a game plan, and he'll know exactly what that game plan is. And then Seebs has alluded to it, how they will, you know, effectively change the way they play football coming against Parramatta because their game will be far better suited against them, potentially, than it was against the Storm. So, yeah. Uh, there was yeah. a, a stark contrast uh, in press conferences yesterday. Let's see what Craig Bellamy had to say after the Storm's loss. Uh, we've let too many points in. You don't win semi-finals or finals games, letting the opposition score 28. And they scored a couple of soft ones too. You know, ones that you know the last couple of weeks we've been defending well, and then a couple in the first half. Um, yeah, they were soft as butter. So that that was a disappointing thing. You know, I thought. At stages we defend the world, but again, you know, you just can't. <laughs> I, just can't I don't know where that, those tries actually come from. And how our, how our defence, you know, let us down for that, like that. So, like I say, it's disappointing. Um, it has been a, 
a hard year. It's been a long year, um, you know, with the injuries that we've had and um, obviously a few other things happening. So I thought, you know, the guys did a you know, good job to, to finish where we finished. But, you know, um, just to go out in that performance, especially defensively, was, uh, you know, disappointing. Yeah, off the back of that, let's do a little Storm uh, review uh, for season 2022. They've got a heap of losses for next year. So that was the last game that Jesse and Kenny Bromwich will play for the Storm. Felice Kafusi done and Brendan Smith done. Um, how would you rate their season as a whole, Siebes? Yeah, they'll be disappointed um, because they're a top four side. Now, Baliak alluded to um, the injuries, and they, they've had a casualty ward probably bigger than, than anyone, particularly in key positions. Like Ryan Pappenhausen, yeah. he's like, we know what he can do. He's an outstanding player, and he's essentially been missing for the entire season. Jerome Hughes, Cameron Munster have all had times uh, off the park, and it's been a big workload for Harry Grant. Like, he's played um, Origins in season, um, all three Origins in season for the first time in his career as well. So, they looked a little bit fatigued um, at different times throughout the year, but they sort of had a spike um, a couple of weeks before the end of the season. I thought, you know, they were going to jag that sort of fourth spot and, yeah. and give themselves an opportunity, but they'll be disappointed. Um, it's the first time since 2014 they finished outside the eight, yeah. but also then lost. And then, and sorry, then, outside the four and then lost first week. Yeah, yeah. It completely out of it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was it was fascinating. It wasn't the, the typical storm season that you'd have it no. expect. And Bellamy even said it. I remember in his press conference, I can't remember, I think it might have been against the Bunnies where they'd lost four in a row I think at that stage and he said, are you convinced that you can turn around and he was, he was said no. I'm yeah, not, he was at I'm, a loss I'm, for answers. I'm, I'm not convinced, you yeah. know, and you've got Nofaluma in and he made some changes, he had some big ins back in and then they started to regain a bit of that old sort of Melbourne presence but it just didn't seem that same I think that aura that we've seen over the last, what, 20 years from Melbourne Storm seem to have, you know, lost and tainted. And teams genuinely now believe they could beat them. Uh, and Canberra went out and did it. While we're on the Storm, we've got a caller here. Cam from New Zealand. What do you think of the Storm uh, and this season? To be honest, I don't know. I think it's pretty disappointing, to be honest, because we they have got, you know, Grant, Hughes, Munster. Even though Pappenhausen's been out, there are three quality guys in the spine. Pushing months to the fullback, that sort of, you know, plugged up the fullback role. So I think it's been pretty disappointing. Or is it that too much reliance on Pappenhausen, like Seagulls with Trebojevic? Yeah, that's a fair point. And Scott, what do you think they do next year, Cam, after losing Jesse and Kenny Bromwich, Felice Gafusi, Brandon Smith? They've nearly lost their entire starting forward pack. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough one. You would have thought that they would have kept, you know, one, at least one of those guys for a bit longer. Like, for mine, I think Brandon Smith's a pretty good lock. Like, if we had a kept him at 13, I think that would have been pretty good. I don't, I don't actually know where they go from here. We're going to have to probably get some big buys off the off-season. We've obviously got Tarek Sims coming, but kind of need another big name, I suppose, because we've lost Vanukin. Last season, um, yeah, it's a tough one. Christian Welsh. Yeah, that's what I was oh, going to say. Can, back, can yeah. give you a bit of optimism. Christian Welsh was out after after round one this season, and so was Remus Smith and also George Jennings. And, and George and Remus have, have um, yeah, done a really good job since they've come to the Melbourne Storm. And Christian Welsh, for, for me, is, is, the, is probably the most underrated forward in the competition. His effort areas were what the Melbourne Storm miss in the 
in the games that they weren't so tidy defensively. I'm sure you've seen this, Cam. But Christian Walsh is, is so good at putting inside pressure on ball players. He's very good at putting kick pressure on, on the, uh, you know, the halves. And he's also really good at filling the space when the ball goes away. So those three guys will almost be like new signings because they were injured essentially after round one. Uh, Tarek Sims, I think, will, will again, um, you know, he'll get that magic touch from the Melbourne Storm and I'm sure he'll play um, really aggressively like he does and, and they'll get the best out of him. But, yeah, you're right. It, you know, that, they'll be disappointed. Internally, they'll be very disappointed. They have super high expectations down there and, um, yeah, they'll be disappointed with how it turned out. There you go, Cam. It's Did not all bad um, news. We'll Keep your chin up. All good. Yes. Play there, boys. Yeah, Have yeah, yeah. Up. Oh, good. good Thank you, Cam. Uh, so now, as we look ahead for this Parramatta and Canberra game, uh, Parramatta are going to be sweating on the fitness of Mitchell Moses. That was a pretty bad knockout. He copped the knee of kick-out. Um, what he, is, what if, is the, what's the protocols? With the, with the, it was a grade one. So I'm not, sure, I'm not sure what the grading was, but essentially what happens is the first 48 hours, they essentially can only do light, what they call light activity. So light activity is like walking. It's yep. like just going for a walk. That, that's, yeah. the, that's the very first thing you do in a return to play um, protocol. Then what happens is um, at day three, then they'll put the players onto like, um, obviously with some cognitive testing, but they'll put the players onto like a, a running machine. So it's again, it goes from light, activity or light exercise and it's and it's almost like a graded return so yeah as each day um you have to tick off another um type of physical activity along with as i said the cognitive tests that the players do and that's why if it's shorter than a, than a seven day turnaround then then i wouldn't expect mitchell moses to play uh, they played on friday night so they'll probably at least have a seven day turnaround yeah. to friday night maybe eight depending on when their game is um, so he may be a chance, depending on the severity of the concussion, but um, that's what they do. And, that, and that's why you'll see players, if there's a five-day or six-day turnaround in season, they won't play because yep. you don't have enough time to fulfil the return-to-play protocols. Can I ask you there, Siebes, as a coach, and a lot gets said about players, and you saw uh, Victor Radley's, I mean, that was horrific to watch. How much say does a coach have in that situation in return to play or do you completely leave that to the medicos and the player to to make that decision and they hand it to you and then you that is it as black and white as that or is there a um i'm going to leave this up to you victor to make a decision or is it a sort of a combination of all three things it's essentially black and white sock yep. like as a coach um obviously at the forefront of your mind is the well-being of the player right so yep. Um, you, you know, you, you, in my experiences when I was coaching South and Brisbane, I would just step, you know, obviously look after the player, but step away and be guided by the medical staff because the last thing you want to do is, is put a player at risk, right? And, and you guys are both um, athletes. You, you, you know, you, your coaches need to ensure that the well-being comes first of, of, um, of the athlete itself. And I think, it, you know, sometimes they're, they're um, one-off situations, sometimes they're repeated. Yep. And so when they're repeated situations, they're, the actual return to play process can be extended. Sure. In rugby union, I'm working for England rugby at the moment, and there's an automatic stand down of, of um, 12 days. Yep. Oof. So he'd be gone so in you, union. So you miss so you miss a game, um, you know, in international rugby at the moment. And um, do you and think do you think that may carry over? I mean, we don't want to talk about head knocks forever because there's interesting football going on. But do you think those protocols are right in rugby union? And do you think you'll see some of those things? 
coming into rugby league in regards to head knocks and, and length and severity and sort of mandatory sentencing with head knocks yeah. that, that, by, that done by an independent doctor? Yeah, I, I, th- I think you'll see that time frame um, of seven days potentially extended out. It's just amazing how seven days turns into potentially the next round of football. You know, yes. It's almost like, yeah. 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 When's I, the next football go? Oh, it's five days now. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, think, I think that'll be something that um, is looked at really closely. Um, over the next 12 to 24 months. Yep. And the other thing is, you know, from a... So, number one's well-being, but number two is protecting the, the sport or the code itself. Like, there's legislation, um, um, you know, issues, and, and there's actually legal battles in the UK at the moment. Yeah. A number of rugby league and rugby union players are taking their sports to, to court yep. over... Um, a CTE, lack, yeah, dementia, so, yeah, so, all sorts so of la- So, a lack of um, protection yep. from when they played. Now, um don't want to go into that conversation as far as um, whether that's the right thing or not, but I just think that um, as a coach, you need to take yourself away, uh, you know, away from it. Yeah, because right. it's a ser- it's a ser- you know when you get concussed, it's serious. I mean, yeah. James Graham, I, I was listening to some of his work because he got into a bit of a stash with uh, Fitzsimons. Yeah, Fitzsimons, and was sort sort of calling him out, saying, "Oh, when you were playing." Uh, you, you were talking about, you know, I, I get a head knock, but so what? I've chose to play footy. I'm tough. And now he's actually an ambassador looking after the mental health of players. So, you know, my, my, my opinion was clouded back in the day. And now I realise the, the full effect of what had happened. So, I mean, it's a fine, fine, fine line to balance in, you know, return to play, players wanting to play in football to, and to getting into the contest and looking over the overarching principles of player, i.e. Board co- Boyd Cordner, Jake Friend, so on and so on, who are yeah. quitting their careers a little bit earlier because of these head knocks. Yeah. One thing for sure, it's it's a less than ideal preparation for Mitch Moses going into the biggest game of the year um, for the Eels. All right. Remember, after crunch time today at 3 p.m., we've got the coverage of the Roosters versus Rabbitohs live here from Allianz Stadium. You'll be joined by Joel Kane, Brett Kamali, Sean Timmons, and Tim Menna. This is NRL Crunch Time with thanks to Robson Civil. Join Robson Civil Projects. Jobs at robsoncivil.com.au. For the Cowboys, Townsend, a little dinky kick over the top, leaping high, Gilbert takes it into the in-goal area, can't get it down. He's held up by Kennedy and Nico Hines, although he's claiming he scored, and the referee says he had. I don't know how on earth he got that ball down because he had two defenders all over him, but Tom Gilbert has scored the first try, and the Cowboys lead 4-0. As now Nico Hines turns Talakai under. Here's another, in fact, it's Rudolph, who's over the goal line. Has he got it down? I think he has. What a run from Rudolph, and they hit straight back Cronulla. 6-4 with a kick to come. The front rower gets his first try of the year. Through the hands of Dearden. To late Chiluciano Lua gives it to Valentine Holmes. Taps on for Talungi. Into the corner try. The Cowboys have gone from one side of the field to the other. A great tap on from Val Holmes. And Murray Talungi scores the try. Five out, plays it Braley. Last tackle, Hines. Kennedy at pace. Kennedy scores. He came onto the ball at pace and got through the defence and scores adjacent to the upright. Now here's a buffer for the Sharks. And he scores to make it 30-28. So it is full time. He did convert the try. So 30 points all. They're 30 metres out. Last tackle right in centre field. It goes all the way back to Val Holmes from 45 out. Strikes it. 
and pushes it to the right, I believe. He's got he it, he's got it. it. He's kicked it. Val Holmes has kicked it from 45 metres out. It's a two-point drop goal, and the Cowboys have beaten Cronulla by 32 points to 30. Yeah, Val Holmes, big game player. Were you guys surprised when they went to, to Val rather than Chad? I wasn't surprised only because, um, like in the past, like both Sharks and Cowboys have been using for those long range yeah. field goals. So I agree. Um, and I think the other thing is, as a def- defending team, you're looking for Chad Townsend or Tommy Dearden, aren't you? You know what I mean? So Val yeah. Holmes is, yeah, because he's a centre. He's coming from that left centre position, putting himself into you know the, the position to, to take the kick. He's not someone they're actually looking for in a lot of ways. So. Yeah, it wasn't too surprised. One of the interesting things in that game, so I was like you, Sock. I, I was surprised when they went extra time, not golden point. Yeah. But neither team really lined up or set up for a field goal in that extra time period. I agree. Cronulla had probably twice... two or three sets on the line. Yeah. And I thought one point is as good as 40 points. Yep. But and it would have got the, the men- job done. Well, the mental. Well, it could have. You don't could've, know. Could have, yeah. But the mentality was we need to score trial we need to score points here you yeah know? in the end it was a two it was a long range field goal so they won by two but I, I i agree um is that something steves that you as a coach are you encouraging to get the one there or are you encouraging right we've got 10 minutes let, let we, we let's get the you know what i think it is i, I don't think because t- teams will practice golden point scenarios at training but i i I bet you they haven't practiced the extra time. Yeah, um, yeah, it's unique, strategy. isn't it? Because it's unique. It's only only in the finals. But but one thing, I think scoreboard pressure is is king uh, in in big games. Yeah. You know, so if you can get ahead by one point, oh yeah, then, then you take it because then the pressure goes on to the team that's behind. You know what I mean? And the clock's, clock's ticking down. So yeah, I was a little surprised as well that a, a team you know just didn't get themselves uh, ahead yeah. of the um, on the on the scoreboard and, and build some pressure. There's some other great moments or interesting moments. Jason Tamalolo's try, which I think, it, I don't know how long the streak was for him to barge over, but I thought that was a special moment. And the other one I wanted to talk about was the non-penalty try given to Val Holmes. So it was a penalty 10 minutes in the bin for Connor Tracy. What, what are your thoughts on that? Was that the right decision? Because in my mind watching it, I'm like, if you're going to penalise him, I'm like, that. I would like to think a first-grade footballer is if he's not impeded there, he's getting that ball yeah. and putting it down. I, I think there was two big talking points, and that that one I was unsure if that was ten in the bin, to be honest. But the other one that, at the end of the day, probably decided the game was the no try to Connor Tracy in the corner for d- obstruction by Ramian. Oh, that, and I know Sharks fans will be sitting at home screaming at their radio to, for us I, to talk about that. That frustrates me because I go he back was to never South Speed Penrith he? when Campbell Graham made a poor defensive decision and bulldozed and Latrell, who was tracking backwards towards, um, I forget who made the break, was taken out, but they said, uh, it was Lockie Elias, uh, that he, he, in the opinion of Ashley Klein, the defensive area being made, even though it hit the wrong shoulder, he went out and wouldn't have made a decision. And my opinion is, well, he could have at least pushed him to the corner. He could have tracked back and traced him. Who knows? You just never know. But then in that decision there where you, if you're going to make that call, the opinion, which is in the laws of the game, that there can be obstruction, but it depends how it affected the play. There was no possible way that he's getting there. He's 10 metres from him. He's not getting there. Yeah. So it, it didn't even really touch him, did he? No. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think it should have been a try. Now, what um, the you know, the referee um, adjudicated on there, well, the video referee adjudicated on was that you, you would have seen Jesse Raymond run that, that overs line or the yeah, outline. Yeah, the outside. Yes. And, and so 
they're looking at it black and white rather than looking at it. Could could that defender make the tackle? Yes. So if they if they consider the the try, could the defender make the tackle? No, he couldn't. He wasn't yeah. going to get there, in my opinion. I thought kind of Tracy was going to, you know, that that's yeah, a yeah. try. They've just gone black and white, which I don't mind if they they've stay consistent because the, the rule does say you can't touch a defender's inside shoulder running that line. Yeah. But one C in that law also says they can determine if that obstruction had an impact on the play. Obviously, they've decided it has. So, anyway. Yeah, there's a couple of, I guess, controversial calls last night. Uh, you probably just heard a siren go off in the background. We forgot to mention there's a game going on right now, <laughs> NRLW. We've got the Roosters and the Knights, both teams undefeated for, through the first couple of rounds. It is halftime in that match, and it's the Roosters 12 leading the Knights 0. Uh, we're going to take a break after the after crunch time. Don't forget, we've got live coverage of Roosters versus South Sydney, what many are calling the game of the round. This is NRL Crunch Time. Thanks to Robson Civil. Join Robson Civil Projects. Jobs at robsoncivil.com.au. 60 years of family culture. Join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. The Isuzu MUX is born to tow. This is NRL Crunch Time. And we're back. We're back. Sorry. I've got, I've got the music in my ears here at the stadium. So we're half-time, Roosters 12, Newcastle nil in the NRLW. A couple of texts coming in for you, Sock. This first one from DK the third says, Come on, Sock. <laughs> Off you chop, brother. Your voice is giving Panadol a headache. <laughs> I'll tell you what, DK the third, if you've got a couple of Panadol, I'd love it, mate. My head is thumping. So, all right, I'll tone it down, mate. Well heard. Oh, and this one, Daniel from Prairiewood, says, Gents, some perspective. The Storm suffered 15 long term injuries with five plus weeks recovery, four of which were season ending. Half of their 30-man list, they did well to finish fifth, like the Roosters in 2021. They limped into the finals. A healthy roster is imperative to challenge for the Premiership. So, yeah, it's it's fair. Uh, and we, we, I think we did touch on that. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair comment, and, and we did touch on it. But just knowing the high standards that Craig Bellamy, Frank Panisi, and the Melbourne Storm have, they yeah. would have been terribly disappointed yesterday because they were a chance to win the game yeah. and go into week two of the finals. And they've always yeah. been a team that it, it's, it's the next guy in. Is in there something special about that Melbourne Storm jersey. It doesn't matter who goes in. It's all about the next guy who's got a role and just fits into the systems that they do, where I think they lost their way or were expected at the very least to compete and defend better uh, than what they did midway through the season in particular. What about this half well, yeah, the time entertainment here? We've got a foot race. Uh, I'm not sure if he's got to run the 100 under a certain time. Uh, do you know if they're doing the, the foot race again in the grand final this year? They do the halftime AFL do it, yeah, yeah. AFL do it really well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd like to see us step it up a notch yeah. and, and each team to put their best runner in to, to once and for all settle this debate. Who's the quickest? Like I, I, Ado, I think, and, well, I think Adokar over 30, 40, but I think Jason, Jason Sabo over 100 have is, him. Yeah, yeah, he's a gazelle. What about something like, uh, you know, a prop? You know, you've got Papa Leahy. Bromwich, you know, you get these big Junior guys. Paulo. Junior, Junior Paulo. Just <laughs> sprinting in, the, in, in just the, in the, in the full-on uh, length, you know, bodysuit running up and down 100 metres. I reckon if the thing you'd be surprised about those big guys, and we used to see a few of the, the younger ones coming through the New South Wales Institute of Sport, they're still pretty quick over 20 metres. Yep. Like, off the mark, they're pretty good. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. One of my mates, Willie Mason, reckons he'd he'd go close to the fox over twenty. 
I'm not as confident as he is, but that's you know. The, <laughs> yeah, I'm not as confident. The, the big men, the, the big men do rate themselves over short distances. Uh, All right, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, Sock's going to talk to us about Aaron Finch retiring from One Day Internationals. 60 years of family culture. Join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. The Isuzu MUX is born to tow. This is NRL Crunch Time. Yeah, welcome back to NRL Crunch Time. Sock, I'm going to shortball you on here. Here's yep. your time to shine. Okay. Aaron Finch has retired from Monday Internationals. Fill us in. What's going on? Well, um, to sum it up, as quickly as possible. He was in shocking form. I think he yeah. scored 23 runs in his last seven digs at an average of three. Um, the ways that he was getting out remind me. Remember Ricky Potting when he got knocked over by Jarks Callis and it was embarrassing. He ended up with his face and hands down on the wicket and you just knew your time was over. Trent Bolt just stitched him up with the new ball. He was all at sea with that. Against Zimbabwe, he looked really uncomfortable. Um, one thing I do want to highlight, so I think it was the right call at the end of the day. Um, very rarely do players get fairy tales. He gets to finish on a series win against New Zealand. Um, and I look, I, I look at his record. He scored over 5,000 runs at 40, 17 centuries in ODI cricket since 2013. Was a part of the World Cup winning title that was on in 2015. Um, and most importantly, he's captained the Australian side to our inaugural first T20 World Cup title uh, over in the UAE. And winning in the UAE, winning any game over in the subcontinent is like a little bit of gold. To win a T20 World Cup over there is something special. He'll still captain the T20 side for this coming World Cup. He's a fantastic T20 cricketer. He's a fantastic leader. And I hope that he wins that and has the fairy tale that he deserves there if he does want to bow out of T20 cricket. But I do think it's a great time now to blood a new captain, whether that's Pat Cummins, whether they decide to go back to Steve Smith, which would be my preference as a leader, to carry the team forward um, into the next World Cup. So it's come at the right time. It's on the back of a great series win against uh, New Zealand, who's the ranked number one in the world at the moment. So I just want to congratulate um, Aaron Finch. And it takes a lot of courage and bravery to call your own time. And I, you know, as I said, I'm grateful as a supporter of cricket and a fan uh, for everything that he's done for the game. You played much with Finchie? Uh, I grew up playing a lot of cricket uh, with him. I went away on an Australian A tour with him in 2010, just before his career sort of had taken Took off, off. Yep. Um, and played a lot of cricket uh, against him uh, for Victoria in the early days when I first started out. Great competitor. Um, if I had thought at that stage that he would have had the career and gone on the captain of the country, I, I, I wouldn't have thought that. But he's grown and developed. He's, t he's played T20 cricket all around the world. He's scored a triple century in first-class cricket. He's played test cricket for Australia. He's basically ticked off everything. Yeah, he's quite happily married. He's got a child. Um, so, you know, he'll look back on his career. An Australian will look back on him, you know, but nothing with nice thoughts and great memories of a, you know, a great cricketing legend, in my, in my opinion. And a role model for thick boys all around the country. Aaron There's always Finch. a bloke who could get away with skinny saying they're 40, and I'm like, are you doing the decaliper <laughs> test? There's no way. Like, where are they doing him? On his uh, neck and elbow? And, oh, no, he, he was a great player. Um, let's touch quickly a little left of field here on uh, on the death or, or the passing of the Queen. Now, I've, I've got a little story here. I've got a mate that is a mad EPL fan, loves his soccer. And he's just booked a holiday to England, and he got tickets to four EPL games. So he's 
among other games, seeing Millwall versus QPR, which is going to be a great one. Man United, so we got tickets to Old Trafford oh. to see Man United versus Leeds and, and a couple of other games. He's, he's flying out tomorrow, and he's just found, found out that all four games have been cancelled or postponed until after he leaves. So he's essentially doing a, a week-long trip to England for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Is he still going to go? He's still going. He's, um, the, the plane tickets were the most expensive part um, and, and the hardest part to get refunded or whatever. So he's just he's said stuff, I'm going for, for a week's holiday. But what do you think about... I mean, they're cancelling all sport for, for 10 days, I think, or two weeks. There's no comedies on TV. Uh, the tone of music I've heard on radio has to match up to a somber mood. Um, we couldn't do the sports bet. They, they weren't advertising sports bet on the day of the death. They weren't advertising gambling. You know, Really? Yeah. yeah <laughs> uh, everything everything at, uh, on BBC has to be done in black instead of red. Um, I think she lies in state. I think they call for 10 days. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the funeral that I think I deserve as well when I pass. Yeah, I was like going to say that. Yeah, I was going to say that. National Day of Mourning, uh, maybe. Well, we will get a day off as well, I've heard. Uh, September 22nd, I think it is. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, well, you Love booked, that. You booked it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what will we get? Because we've had the Queen's birthday. Will yeah. we get Prince... A King's King, birthday. King, King, King Charlie, his birthday. Oh, look, will that I be think, another holiday? Look, I think we've earned it. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, holiday next weekend. For, for us as Australians, and you know, we'll have some monikers out there, but what do you think will be uh, a bigger television event? The, the funeral for Shane Warne or the funeral for the Queen? That's an interesting one, that. Uh, I, uh, look, I, I think there still will be so many people who, um, you know, historically are, are attached to the Queen. So, yeah. um, you know, with, with a lot of people's, um, you know, roots back to, to Great Britain, um, you know, she, she was very well respected. And working with the England team, I, one thing I've been thinking about is, is the anthem, right? So yeah. we wear these special anthem jackets every time there's a test match. And, and it's obviously God Save the, uh, the, the, queen. the Queen. So yeah. even the the subtle change in, in lyrics. God Save the um, King, yeah. And, yeah. The, and the guys that are co- they're super passionate, obviously, about, about the Queen. You know, yeah. so it's interesting to see whether that passion now rolls over to, to, to the new King. And um, and that yeah, like as I said, very much uh, rawless, and um, it'd be interesting to see what what that change looks like. Here's a, here's a little one for you that you wouldn't have thought of. So um, this is my girlfriend's a lawyer. So in the legal world, uh, you become a barrister, and then the top rank you can rise to is a QC, mm. Queen's Counsel. They're all getting their titles changed now to a KC. King's the King's Council, right. which sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? Because I'd always heard, you know, oh, this guy's got a QC yeah, representing him, something like that. Yeah. They're all now in the process of being changed to KCs. Yeah. And it will affect our uh, Governor-General. Will that have to change because he was appointed by the Queen or that, does that stay? I think it's David. You're asking uh, the wrong guy. D- there. David Hurley, that. He's a yeah. big South Sydney supporter, David uh, Hurley. Well, <laughs> he, well, he can definitely stay. Um, He'll keep him there. Uh, look, I don't, I, don't, I don't think it impacts um, yeah. his position there from, yeah. Uh, yeah, from my understanding. But I know that I think he pro- proclaims the, the new king today. I think that's, that's happening at some oh, stage wow. today, yeah. It's That's actually a... affected me more than I thought it would. Like, it, it, you look you know, upset. Well, no. I, when, it, <laughs> when it did happen, I, I thought you know you didn't think much of it, but then you do actually realise the attachment that we do have to the monarchy and you know, the queen and the legacy that she's left behind over so many years, and I guess the soft, gentle nature that she always presented herself with 
you know, you really did endear a lot. You do your, your grandmother or, you know, your, your mother. It, you know, she had that sort of figure or tight role in your life. So it is sad. I, I can understand yeah. how it would affect a lot of people. I think the main one for me is I'm, I'm really not vibing with Charles. I'm not feeling him. No. No. You said that yesterday, oh, didn't you? You, you didn't you like that speech, did you? The accent, it's like, it's like a... It's, the, it's easily the poshest accent I've ever heard, but it's almost beyond posh that it's just annoying. Mm. Um, anyway, let's, let's steer this thing back on track with uh, Latrell Mitchell throughout the week. Uh, royalty. That's, that's the segue. Rugby league royalty. <laughs> Latrell Mitchell. Uh, he's called for Roosters fans to stop booing ahead of today's elimination final. So you know what that means. That'll double the booze. Mm. Uh, how do you feel about fans booing? I mean, it's probably more pertinent for you, Sock, because you'd be able to hear it when you're on the boundary line and you're getting peppered from the crowd. Mm. I've never really experienced it in swimming, but it's not. It's less of a tribal-type sport. I, 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 there's part of me that thinks it's a part of the game, which I get, but I was here at Allianz the other night, and it was excessive and over the top. Yeah. And I understand there's a bit of bad blood. He did play for the Roosters. There's obviously the Joey Manu uh, instance that happened yeah. with it. But then I also think of the draw comparisons with Adam Goods and the mental effects yeah. that it does have on players. Like when Luke Keary touches the ball, South players aren't booing him yeah. because he left the club. Yeah. And I, I do think sometimes it goes beyond um, you know, your fans supporting the game and become really personal. So... I, it is disappointing to a set. I, mean, I am a biased Souths fan, and I, yeah. I think it is something that we need to be a little bit more wary of because these things, as much as we like to put our, our sports people up on pedestals and think they're untouchable, yeah. these things really do resonate and hit hard at home. Yeah. And, you know, he's only out there trying his best, just like the opposition. I'm sure he's well-liked amongst both teams. Um, and after a while, that sort of stuff does get to you. And I'd hate to, to think you, he'd have it? to go, you know what, I need some time off because I just can't keep copying his criticism, whether it be at a game or online, which he's been quite vocal about. So I do feel for him. And um, Roosters supporters, pull your bloody heads in. <laughs> Can I just give you one counter? And, and it's not necessarily my positions, but it's, it's something that other people will say. So Nelson Asofa Solomona, um, when the Storm played Parramatta the other night, every time he got the ball or went near the ball, the crowd booed. And he was playing a villain-type role, I, I guess you'd say. And he, he seemed to, to deal with it pretty well. But is it just a case that we're going to have villains? And, you know, when Latrell plays at a core stadium, he'll have 50,000 people cheering for him. When he plays at Allianz, that'll be inverted? Or should we cut that villain side out of it and not be booing anyone? It's a... I think the, the heroes and, and the villains is, is almost like part of the, the, the yeah. narrative or part of the game. I, look, the, I thought Trent Robinson summed it up pretty well during his press conference this week. He said he understands the booing last week because of what happened with Joey Manu last year and also the opening game at the, the, the new stadium, right? And the rivalry, yeah. which is just like having Coach South, it is genuine. It is yeah. Yeah. it is real. Um, but he also said, like, there's no need for it, you know, you know anymore. And yeah. I thought he summed it up pretty well, right. you know. Like, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, I would hate... Um, I would hate to see it an Adam Good situation. I really yeah. fell for Adam Goods when he was going through. Because that just turned um, into booing cheering. for the sake it, of it. It just turned it? into booing well, for yeah, the sake it got of it. It amplified because everyone was saying, don't do it. And then people started yeah. really doing it. You know, it was almost yeah. like I remember the Raiders Roosters final where the Raiders were coming out, which I think is a great part of the game where they have their 
horn and, and clap. And then, you know, I saw Freddie Fittler down on the sideline and they were, while that was going on, were then banging drums, basically trying to knock the noise out. Yeah. I think things like that in the game should be really celebrated. Yeah, Even yeah. if it is from an opposition team, you know, to join in and be a part of it is, is a nice thing. These are great things that bring fans and the game together and, you know, make it remarkable, I guess, in a sense. You know what probably happened with the Adam Goods one and where there's a slight difference to the, the Latrell one? It turned into fans of every team were booing Adam Goods. Mm. At the moment, um, well, certainly for, from Bulldogs games I've gone to, no, no Bulldogs fans are booing Latrell, right? Yep. It seems like a very personal rivalry between him and the Roosters. Sure. Um, which, you know, has so many layers to it because he won them two premierships. Yeah. Uh, but then on the other hand, he left for, for their rivals. Uh, so I think where it would become destructive is if fans from every club are, are booing Latrell, but I don't think that happens. No. And, and certainly me as a, a supporter that doesn't have skin in the game for, for this, uh, Latrell is one of the main draw cards for me to switch on the game. Sure. Yeah, I agree with you, Daniel. Um, I think um, we haven't seen other fans really go hard at, at Latrell and hopefully we don't and hopefully yeah. today it's, it's like obviously you, the, the nature of this contest right it's, it's the crowd's going to be on yeah. right it's yeah, going to yeah, be yeah. on Agreed. Uh, lo- as long as it doesn't get out of hand and as you said as long as the other clubs don't start doing it I think um, yeah. I, I think you know that sort of that bench or that rivalry you can sort of you can understand that last week and hopefully we don't see it too much going forward we'll probably dig into this game a little bit deeper but um, can you see Latrell being kept quiet two games in a row it's going to be difficult. The big thing last week was that kicking game, right? So essentially what I call coffin corner. So almost, you know, the, the corner towards the sideline down there into the field is where they were sort of handing over the ball to Latrell Mitchell. It's almost like that sort of you know, 10 by 10 space. And their kick sprint line last week from the Roosters was outstanding. Now, can they do that two games in a row? I'd imagine they're going to try and to, to attempt to. But Latrell Mitchell in the second half, I thought the longer the game went, so I can, you know, you being a big supporter of the Bunnies, the longer the game went, the more dangerous, yeah, the, 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 yeah. the more dangerous the, the Bunnies looked. Mm. And what Roosters will want to do today is keep the game tight. They'll want to try and make it a small field game because if it's a big field game, Latrell and Cody get going and then they're going to be hard to handle. Yeah, Tedesco um, said it in his post-pest conference and, yeah, the media were angling it. Oh, was, was it personal, you know, did you want to go after Latrell? And they said no. Exactly um, what you said there, Steve, is he's so attacking when we give him space. Yeah. So we knew that we had to get three, four, five numbers in behind him because if we give him 10, 15 metres to work with, he can quickly turn that into 50, 60 metres. So, um, I, heard, um, I heard Matthew Johns give some really interesting insight the other day about uh, the Roosters' kick pressure and, and getting to Latrell. And he was saying uh, when Latrell looks up, he might see a wall of, of 13 players. But the one thing about a kick chase is that wall is only ever one man deep. And if a player like Latrell can single out one person in that wall, mm. he can nearly always beat them one-on-one. Yep. So he was saying maybe Latrell got a little bit lateral yeah. last week, oh, trying to get around that yeah. kick yeah. chase. But if Latrell kind of straightens up and picks out one person in that kick chase, he, he may get over the top of, of, of that kick chase more than once um, mm. today, which was a really interesting insight because I, I, I often watch the game and think the same. The fullbacks have got the hardest job in the world. They look up. There's 13 blokes sprinting towards them. But mm. that sort of mindset, and for someone as big as Latrell, if he can pick out a, a Sam Walker or a Keary in that kick chase, mm. it, it may turn things around. Yeah, at worst case, even if he doesn't break the tackle, 
when you just when you isolate one defender, you can get a quicker play of the ball. Yeah. So, so you know, Tupu or um, you know any of the outside backs who carry on the next play, that they get they get yeah. a quicker play of the ball and yeah. not going into that wall of defenders. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a break here on NRL Crunch Time. Coming up, remember we've got live coverage of the Roosters versus the Rabbitohs live from Allianz Stadium. Down this right side, Papalihi had Penasini running hard. Oh, he's come up with the error. Oh, now he's in a bit of trouble here, Will Penasini. That's a sin bin. Yeah. Halen May's been called yeah. out by the referee. Yeah, there we go. Wow. That's six more to the Penrith oh. Panthers. Leona, Leona for the line. Beat one, got to pass it. Gave it now to top. Oh, get low. Brian scores. Forget wow. about the form coming into this game. Just when they needed their little man on the right, he delivers. Oh, gets first try. They're just finding a spot on the field. They've engaged a couple of defenders, and he's six metres out. What have they got up to the right-hand side? They go. Oh! oh! That opened up. Talk about nothing in front of you. Oregon Kafusi looked up, and it was all plain sailing. The Sydney heads opened up, and the Eels strolled through the gap under the black dot. This will be all evened up. Now they come right side. It's Moses with a field goal attempt. It's going to be waved away. Ooh, Timmy. It would have been a one point. They would have had the 7-6 lead. Here's the last one. Now Cleary might go for one point. He does. Strikes it. They're going to say it's there. <laughs> That's how you do it. Now, Mitchell Moses, exactly. That is how you do it. They come right side to Cleary. Wants to go out the back. Crichton. Oh, great ball. Tip on. Oh, he got there. There were two defenders in front of him. One of them was Brown, the other Gutherson. And Brian Tothol has scored two. Now, they go back to kick out. In fact, no, they come back the other way. Cleary, there's a pan move. Edwards sliding through. It was all set up for the fullback. And they get across for another try. Now they've got some problems, the Eels. They come now to Cleary. It's a kick option. It's a run option. Fisher-Harris got across and scored. But he's extended the lead. The scoreline now, the Panthers 23, Parramatta 8. And now referee Jared Sutton can blow full time. Dominant is the only way to describe the performance. And they win 27-8 over the hapless Parramatta Eels. Yeah, that was a massive win for the Panthers. The juggernaut rolls on. Uh, I guess the question everyone's asking now is, can they be beaten? Can any of these sides left in the comp really match Penrith? It's going to be difficult. I think one of the things we saw on Friday night was just how fresh and energetic they were. I mean, um, you know, Ivan Cleary rested strategically, those 13 guys against the Cowboys in the last round, and Nathan Cleary had, had an enforced break, but it wasn't through injury. So yeah. he was able to train, work on his craft. And if you look at his kicking game and his oh. skill execution on Friday night, it was outstanding. So, yeah. um, look, they're, they're the favourites. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, they've got themselves another week off. They're in a good position. Everyone's fully fit. Yep. And, um, yeah, it's, it's theirs, to, it's theirs to, to, to win. Just the way the table's split now. So Parramatta, whilst they lost that game, they've arguably been put on the easier side of the draw. So... On one side, you'll now have, for the time being, you've got Penrith, you've got Roosters, you've got Rabbitohs, um, and you've got the Sharks. On the other side of the draw, uh, you've got the Cowboys, uh, the Eels, and the Raiders. So there's 
in my mind, there's a, a hard and an oh, easy agree. side of the draw. Yeah. So it, it wasn't agree. the worst thing for the Eels in the long run. Yeah. Uh, no, it wasn't. I mean, the challenge now for the Eels is um, they haven't got past week two of the finals since uh, Brad yeah. Arthur's been their, their coach. And, and they've got there a few, on a few occasions. Last year, they got beaten 8-6 against Penrith up in Queensland. Um, so there's a bit of pressure on them. Mitchell Moses, he's the key. I think he came back, um, you know, with about three rounds to go, and their, their performances uh, did improve when he came back, mm. particularly his kicking game. Like, he's, he's look, clearly he's probably the best, right, in the competition, but Mitchell Moses isn't too far behind, and um, that's what they'll miss if he doesn't play this weekend. I think, well, Mitchell Moses, and interested to hear you, I, th- I thought he was probably Parramatta's best player on the yeah. field. Madison, he or Campbell Gillard, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think that couple of the forwards did a decent job, but up until that point, he'd forced a couple of goal line dropouts until he got the, the head knockoff or the, the knee the into knee the head to off. The dome. Kick, was it kick out, was it? Yeah. Um, kick out. Which looked pretty ugly. Uh, another concern out of that for Penrith, Taylor May, hamstring uh, injury. Don't know how serious that may be going forward. The club, I don't know if you can turn hamstrings around in two weeks in my he'll, experience. He'll probably it, serve a suspension anyway yeah. for that high shot. Yeah, um, he'll miss the preliminary final. Yeah. He will, okay. Yeah. Um, you, you missed the conversation yesterday, Sock. We were talking. Right. Taylor May rocked up with double face tats. Yeah, right. She had tattoos yeah. under both the eyes. Under one was a broken love heart. Under the other eye, I think it said pain. Right. So Taylor's got some ink. Right. So he's got he's got a suspension. Can we defer that suspension for the high tackle just into next yeah, week? Yeah, we should be able Speak to. Speak to Valandis. We can just push that into the next season well, and make sure said, we don't, let the, don't, don't disappoint the fans. Voss, he said he actually <laughs> wanted his 10 in the bin deferred <laughs> to round three next year because the Penrith fans really did miss out on that 10 minutes he was off the field. Uh, for the Eels, they completed at 67%, which... Is never going to be good enough in a finals game. Well, can we talk about some of the errors and the sleepless nights that uh, Wanga Blake's going to have? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So 14 errors, uh, four of those were Wonga. But even take Wonga's four out of it, it's still a lot of errors in in a finals game. Yeah, it definitely is. And and what happens when you make errors? You're giving possession and field position to the opposition team, right? And then that builds pressure from a fatigue point of view, like a, a physical perspective. Like, you know, Parramatta looked gone towards the end from a from a physical perspective. The longer the game went, because Penrith had more possession, they, they looked energetic you yeah. know, the longer the game went. And, yeah. um, and and that's what happens. You put, you put pressure on your defence and, and, and it, it is hard. They just seem rushed yeah. the whole time. And they weren't getting called offside, Penrith. But inside that 30, their line speed was amazing. And the way that they're making contact and have an ability to turn a player around, almost facing their own goal line, and then having to turn around, play up, and, and Pe- uh, Parramatta just playing the one-out footy. Penrith were just monstering right yeah. across the park. It was, um, you know, on top of that, that was amazing. But it, we can easily do, not talk about, but Cleary's kicking game. Unbelievable. From the sideline, you know, the conversion, of, of which I think he'd been four from ten from that side from the season nailed that and that that inside left foot step grubber back inside to Edwards having the vision um, I mean that's just world class for a guy that's been off the paddock and everyone had question marks over this guy's missing six weeks uh, it was it was just a phenomenal performance I think where Parramatta missed the trick there for mine the blueprint of how you shut down Nathan Cleary was very clearly presented at State of Origin this year yep he did not have a second to get his kicks away and therefore couldn't put up any of those floaters or any of those torpedoes pretty much throughout the whole Origin series. 
the other night, he had all the time yep. in the world yep. to, to get away exactly what Kiki wanted every time. Yeah, he did. we spoke about it all fair earlier. Like, he, there was no kick pressure. The kick pressure from Parramatta was inconsistent. So, clearly he's got time. In the origin, in, in that third origin in particular, remember Pat Carrigan? He just all harassed him. him. Just yeah, harassed him. He had a radar and, on him. And didn't give him any time. In the first origin, it was Ruben Cotter yeah. who went after him. And, and what you want to see from your defenders there is a change of pace. And we just didn't see that enough from Parramatta or, or not consistently enough from Power on Friday night. Yeah. yeah. The other thing that, that confused me about Parramatta was the use of their bench rotation. So they had Makatoa, a front, row, front rower, played four minutes. Jacob Arthur came on and played 15 minutes. But if Mitchell Moses hadn't have got that head knock, Would he potentially play. doesn't play at all. So Parramatta is playing a finals game at super high pace with 15 players. Uh, whilst I think the least on the Penrith side was maybe 20 minutes from one of their bench players. So a completely different use of the two uh, the, the two benches and uh, well, I don't know what you think Steve's but they've got Bryce Cartwright waiting in the wings they've yep. got Nathan Brown yep. who's, who's had big impact at different times yeah well they were the two Nathan Brown was the 18th man you saw him in the blue bib on Friday night um, but you know, obviously wasn't used I, I think he's one to come off the bench he's played yep. Origin he's yep. played Origin and he's been you know, at times, arguably Parramatta's best in, in, a, couple of, yeah. in a couple of seasons. Yep. Uh, and the thing that Bryce Cartwright would bring, he could cover Moses in the halves, but he also can play as an edge back grower as a 13. Yep. And he's got that ability to get an offload away in yeah. traffic. And, um, and he's got a real high skill level. So maybe they might have a look at that. Like Jake Arthur may have to start against... Um, you know, the the um, you know for for the Parramatta team, if Mitchell Moses isn't any good with his mm. uh, return to play from from uh, from a concussion, um, but yeah, th- they might be true that they bring under the bench. Yeah. All right. Just a score update here in the NRLW. You've got the Roosters twelve, leave the Knights ten. There's twelve minutes to go in this in this game. Uh, not too far away now. I've got the Roosters taking on the Rabbitohs in the game of the round, live here from Allianz Stadium. This is NRL Crunch Time. Thanks to Robson Civil. Join Robson Civil Projects. Jobs at robsoncivil.com.au. 60 years of family culture. Join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. The Isuzu MUX is born to tow. This is NRL Crunch Time. Yeah, this is NRL Crunch Time. Thanks to Robson Civil with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. Time now for what we are gearing up for thanks to Dometic. Make your next adventure effortless with the Dometic Go collection. Just pack, stack, and go. So coming up, boys, it's getting close now. Roosters versus Rabbitohs. Obviously, you guys are both flying the red and green flag today. Well, we are, but you're tipping Roosters, yeah? Look, I'm going for the bunnies, but I think the Roosters might have too much through the middle of the park. Um, I just think... You know, the Bunnies need field position and possession, so Cody Walker and, and Latrell Mitchell can do their thing. And I think if they get that, then they'll cause an upset. But I think Roosters would be favourites off the back of last week, but also off the back of you know, seven weeks of pretty consistent football. Mm. Um, I think if Junior Totola and the middle forwards for the, the yes. Bunnies yeah, can ne- ne- negate yeah. sort of we were Hargraves, Matt Lodge, Victor Radley, then, then they'll give themselves a really big chance. So mm. I'm hoping for a Bunnies win. I just think Roosters, off the back of their last seven weeks, may... May in a very close game. They get the result. As the crowd starts to filter in here, I'm seeing uh, two... I can see the two different supporter bases. So we've got one group in uh, linen shirts and boat shoes and the other one's in South Sydney jerseys. 
Uh, we're, we're sitting in the members here, I think. Are we soft? Is that right? It, it, it looks that way, doesn't it? There's a lot of soft, crushed linen. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it screams double bay to me here. Uh, Here's a Raiders jersey, just a Raiders jumper rolling down in front of us. And why wouldn't you? Uh for the Roosters, Suwali returns, Tupu returns, Radley returns. Mm. Quite ominous. Obviously, they lose they lose Manu, but a uh, couple of big ins for those guys. And on the flip side, South Sydney welcome back Cam Murray, Damian Cook, and, and Campbell Graham. So it's quite a different a different look to last weekend. Yeah, but both teams have got improved lineups. There's no doubt about that. I think one thing. Um, we were Hargrave started the game last week exceptionally well. He only played 13 minutes. Yeah. So I heard that Trent Robinson rested him early in the week. Um, so, like, he's almost like an inclusion like Cameron Murray is. Like, Cam, Cam yeah. only, you know, made the one tackle and obviously, um, you know, concussed, yeah. got, got a concussion. Yeah. So, like, he's their leader, isn't he? And Damien yeah. Cook off the back of that. They'll, they'll be – this is going to be a really tight game, I feel. Mm. Um, I just think that uh, something special will happen this afternoon and I think there's some, there's some points in this game. You tend to think points, with it. for those listening at home, the weather here today is not a cloud in the sky, probably about 20 degrees. The shadow's just starting to cover the pitch, so by the time kickoff comes around, there'll probably be no glare in the players' eyes. It's kind of the perfect track, isn't it, for a finals game? It is, and I think we're, like, we always talk about the left-hand side edge attack of the Bunnies, but that's where they need to go to today. Uh, Joey Manu's missing uh, from the right centre position, so... Um, you know, there'll be a replacement there, whether it's Momorowski who goes to that right centre yep. position or Hutchinson, and I think that's the target. Like, go and, and send yeah, some... some, some deep, yeah, yeah, send some traffic hit their way. Yeah. Make them make decisions because the second-last defender for the listeners at home, they're the ones who make decisions from an edge defence perspective. Yeah. I, um, and also in saying that, I think the lefties, and when that's on sync for the Bunnies, you know, that's fantastic as well. But I think Kalaamatangi's has been doing a yeah. great effort on the other side. Um, you know, Latrell, it's, it's, it's just such a hard lineup when you're seeing Kalamatangi and Latrell either fading off in the back, uh, cutting right or dipping into the left. Those centres are going to make big decisions um, and they're two big boys running down that side, which I think just gives South a little bit more depth in attack if they want to go right or they want to go left. Um, I think Ilias is going to have to have a good game. He's been steady without being remarkable. You know, his kicking is predictable, but, you know, in wins against the Storm, it was effective. Um, but that's quite rightly, as you said, if you win the middle, you get the field position for South to be able to attack. Uh, that's going to be the big draw card for the Bunnies. So. Score predictions? Oh, I, I'm so nervous. I, 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 I'm shaking to, to, to You're think. You're sitting like, here in a South jersey. Are you going to stay and uh, stay here and watch the game? I'm not, I can't watch the game. I'm an emotional football watcher, uh, and I'll, I'll probably go home and watch it on the couch. Okay. Yeah, so I won't stay. Will you stay seated for the full 80 minutes? No. Or up off your feet? No, your I'm, feet? Actually, I'm actually... You're a pacer? I'm scratching and, and, and pacing around as we speak now. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. I thought that might have been uh, a result of a big night. next but. coach is... It's t- <laughs> Here we go, just live, we'll quickly cross the NRLW. It's Isabel Kelly has taken an intercept. With only four minutes to go, she'll streak away the length of the field and score to put the Roosters in front. No, is it, to, to, to level it up at 16 all with a yeah, kick to Yeah, she's come. gone under the, under the post, so she'll probably put the Roosters in front with only four minutes oh, to go. It's so an one, side. Both of these sides undefeated coming into today's match. Isabel Kelly, she's a big game player. Got Joel Keynes just entered the studio. He's going to be calling the game today. Yeah. He's going to have to be Team Roosters to even it up before you South fans. 
Uh, yeah, so score prediction, Sock. I know you're nervous, but... Uh, I think uh, dry conditions, plenty of points plenty scored. Of points. I think, you know, the, the, well, where the game will be won or lost will be through the middle part of the field. But I think, you know, the other night where we scored 30 points uh, per team, I'm thinking somewhere similar in the 20s. So let's call it 24 to 24 to 20, South winning in a tight one. Seebs? Yeah, I'm going to go 28 to 22. The Roosters, as I said, I hope South win. I just, I just can't see, I just can't see them controlling the middle third of the, the field good enough to, to, uh, to get the job done. Yeah, I think it's it stays tight for about 65 minutes, and then it blows out a little bit at the end. I'm going to go 28 to 12 uh, to the Roosters. The Roosters yeah. juggernaut continues. Oh, good on you. <laughs> good on you, <laughs> so, Sorry to spoil the party. Um, and then, if well, if we look ahead next week, right, so that, that's a very winnable game then for whoever wins this one because they're going to have a very fatigued Sharks outfit and uh, trying to back up after the Cowboys well, it game. It will be, but I, I expect this contest to be to really be equally, phys- like, well, just yep. physical. You know, every time I watch the Roosters games and go into the sheds, it's like you've, you're just witnessing a war zone. There's blokes with... You know, things up their nose, there's blood, there's cuts, there's bloody ice packs everywhere. I know yeah. most teams are like it, but they yeah. do go out there and literally put their body on the line every week um, for their coach and their supporters. So I'm expecting another big, strong contest uh, for the Roosters, leaving it all on the line. And the kick is successful. So the Roosters go ahead with only 2 minutes 30 left on the clock. And it was Zahara Tamada who kicks the goal. So Isabel Kelly, big game player, scores an intercept try. Looked like the Knights were going to get this one, but only two minutes left. It is the Roosters, 18, lead the Knights, six. Ominous, ominous sign, I reckon. That's, that's, uh, I'm about omens, and I think that one was an omen right there. I'm sorry to say it, so. All right, let's go to a break. Coming up, of course, Joel Kane's in the studio. He's warming up, ready to call this game. Roosters versus the Rabbitohs live here from Allianz Stadium. 60 years of family culture. Join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. The Isuzu MUX is born to tow. This is NRL Crunch Time. Yeah, welcome back to NRL Crunch Time. James Magnuson here, joined by Anthony Seabold and a very hungover Steve O'Keefe. Boys, we're on the home stretch now, nearly done. Just a live update. Uh, the Roosters have defeated the Newcastle Knights in the NRLW, 18 points to 16. So that 100-metre runaway intercept try by Is- Isabel Kelly proved the difference uh, in the end. The crowd's starting to stream in now, boys. It's got a bit of atmosphere about it. Uh, we're just hearing it's a sellout. Uh, but you won't be here, so Yeah, I won't be here for it. I want to just, just tap into the minds of the great man, Steve's. What, what What's it like in the change rooms in finals compared to season and it's a playoff final? As a coach, is it is all the hard work done during the week? Are you just sort of giving blokes a bit of a bum tap, tap on the back? Is it just trying to keep it relaxed as possible or is there... You know, you've got a bit of Eminem pump-up music getting in there. How do you, how do you, how do you get them? How do you get them up for the game? Yeah, well, I, I, probably the one to reflect on is when we played. Uh, when I was coaching South, we played Roosters here uh, at the yeah, old oh. stadium in uh, in 2018. Wasn't the humdinger. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's four at all half ga- uh, half time. You know, real physical game, and and the Roosters got away with it, tw- 12 points to four. But I think back to to that change room prior to the game, everyone knew their job. You know, we had a pretty experienced team. We only had a couple of younger guys like. Um, you know, Cameron Murray and Campbell Graham. Um, so a lot of the guys had played finals football a couple of years earlier, and it had been a couple of years between finals appearances, but 
um, you know, they, they, they were really composed. They, they knew their job. Um, we had some really good senior players. And as the head coach, it was about really narrowing our focus to two or three things. You know, not talking about ten things. Yep. What's the two most important things? Three at the very most. Um, now, we didn't get the job done that day. But um, through that final series, it was, it was a hell of a final series. We had a great game against the Storm. Yep. Um, the Dragons, 13-12. Yep. Um, yep. Adam Reynolds kicked three field goals. Um, so that was a vastly, and I say vastly different experience to when I was at the Broncos and we, we got beaten 58-0 in an uh, <laughs> elimination final. And, oh, that's um, right. And, and we, we, had a, we had a group. There was a Parramatta. It yeah. was this game. It was the Sunday yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, we finished eighth. And we had beaten Parramatta literally two weeks earlier, 17-16. Yeah. And that pretty much cemented our spot in the finals. And, and the... The change room was one of real nervousness. I've got to say, like, you know, thinking back about the game and thinking back about the way, you, you could sense there was a real nervousness about the group. Mm. And, and you know, as the coach, you think, OK, well, I've got to try and, get, you know, give the, yeah, yeah. give the guys some confidence. Um, but we went out there and some things went against us early in the game. And, and got away from it you. got away from us. You know, so all of a sudden, 6-0 became 12, nil became 18-0, and all of a sudden, half-time, yeah. You know, we're down, like, I think it was 20, 24 points or 28 points to nil. You just, you're not coming back. And then you're not coming back. So, so, so vastly different change rooms. and um, But all good experiences, you know, learning experiences yeah. as a coach and, and for players. And hopefully that group of young Brisbane guys, like Pat Carrigan and Payne Harris and Flegler and those guys, no problem, yeah. you know, get another opportunity. I was, I was hoping for, for their sake they got it this year and they didn't. Yeah. But hopefully next year or in the coming season they get another opportunity to atone for that. So, so in that situation, is do you have a pre-prepared speech at halftime when you're going in? You watch the game, right? And some coaches will sit there and say Sunday's their day off, as in it's all been done. Yeah. You know, I've got a, 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 a piece of paper in my left pocket. If you know, if we're winning and if we're losing, I go to the one in my right pocket. Do you do? You, is there much you're giving to the team at halftime about what you're seeing, or again, is it just sort of reading the room and, and, and knowing you know when to give too much? Or yeah, it's probably reading the room a little bit. But I will say this, right? As a coach, I think I always thought of myself that my work's done at training, right? Yeah. Like my job is almost like you know design problems during the week for yep. the players to solve. So when they get out there on game day, yep. because you, you look, we're what 200 metres away from the field or something like that. Yeah. Like you, you can't help the players a whole heap on game day. You, you, you know they need to try and solve the problem. Problems yeah. in the game. You give them the framework, obviously. Um, but I always copied, um, like, I suppose, a framework yep. to give feedback. And, and it's probably something I did uh, learn of Craig Bellamy working under him. It's just, you know, w what are we doing well? So, what do we want to keep doing? What do we need to improve? And what's really important to start this half of footy? So, yep. that was sort of essentially my framework for half time. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and that way, you're not confusing, you know, you're not giving the players too much information. I thought it was a really simple. Framework, and as I said, I, I learned that from from Craig Bellamy. Yeah, do you reckon uh, Noddy's Noddy's up next for our next call? Do you reckon he only went in with one piece of paper sock for that <laughs> halftime speech? <laughs> he knew, he knew, <laughs> he knew, right. he knew right. which speech he was going to be giving. Thank God he can't hear us right now. Just as we see this stadium start to fill up. I know this is a home game for the Roosters, but I can't help but think I'm seeing probably two to one South jerseys here at the moment. Now, there, there was a, a oh, kite flying contest or something down at Bondi today. <laughs> right. so, so I don't know if that'll take out a few of the, uh, the Roosters <laughs> <laughs> supporters. But the well, mem members isn't full yet, mate, so that's where the well, Roosters are. There, there was yeah, a problem okay. with the tickets, do you remember? 
that, that they yeah, gave that him the bunny supports got yeah. the wrong code. Yeah, yeah. So, the, the and accident. then they got him at the end, and you could only buy him in ones, and and, and absolute butchered it. So. That doesn't surprise me. Roosters' tactics, of course. Oh, um, well, look, let's hope the Roosters fans turn out and they're not all down flying kites on Bondi Beach that they do <laughs> They do roll up the road here to, to Allianz Stadium. <laughs> I don't know why. Honestly, I don't know what it was. I was driving uh, down Campbell Parade this morning, coming home from the gym, yeah. and uh, there was some sort of kite-flying uh, contest or yeah. festival. I'm not sure what it is. Maybe yeah. some of our listeners will be able to text us in and, and let us know. But Bondi was jam-packed with uh, kite flyers this morning, so... It was an interesting one. We got any texts on the line there, Sock, to, uh, to get through before we finish up? Who are we all going for, fellas? Seebs, obviously the Bunnies, which he is. Um, that's from Tobias from Newcastle, but he's tipped the Roosters. Tell your mate, uh, Missile, to go to Spain and watch the Spanish League. It's Rooster not a bad man. shout. Yeah, so just I was just saying to you guys in the break, his, his plan now was, rather than go to the EPL games, he was going to go to the, the funeral. Queen's funeral. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't quite the, the party yeah. week that he oh. had intended. What a nice one. And the last one here, JWH gets booed all the time by South fans. And Latrell used to get booed by South fans when just going on. Yeah, yeah, when he used to play for the Yeah, fair yeah, call, fair y- call. You'd say there'll probably be a few boos for JWH today. Yep. Um, but again, I think as long as it's just within this rivalry and it doesn't extend to the greater NRL competition, it's, uh, play on. it's probably play on. Yep. Right. Uh, Siebes, plans to watch the game of Savo on the couch? Yeah, go home, watch it on the couch. Sock, you'll be pacing. I'll cutting, be cutting up a rug. On yeah, the... I'll be uh, shaking, a uh, combination of hungover <laughs> and nervous energy. Not a great mix, so, but uh, looking forward to a good clash. I mean, this is what the players gear up for all year, fans as well, so I'm excited, I'm pumped, and hopefully it is a really a, a humdinger. Uh, to finish oh, our Sunday so afternoons off. Yeah, I'm going to hang around here at the stadium. I've heard that there's a toddies somewhere in the stadium, so I'm going to hunt out that toddies. Uh, stay tuned. We've got the capable hands of Joel Kane up next to call this live. This has been NRL Crunch Time. Thanks to Robson Civil. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.